Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time it is and whatever part of the world you're listening to this podcast, I wanted to come on at first and just say thank you for supporting us and for listening to this podcast. It's something we're very, very, very proud of. It wouldn't be possible without every single one of you hearing the sound of my voice. I know my voice isn't one typically heard on these podcasts. My name is Christian Golden. I'm the podcast producer here at Light Christian Center. Before this episode starts, I just wanted to let you guys know that we were having some technical difficulties towards the end of the sermon, and I apologize for that. Nevertheless, it was a great sermon by Pastor Paul. Here is Enabling Grace, Part 2. Talking about the uh, five-fold revelation of grace that was given to the Apostle Paul. And we saw in Ephesians chapter 3 where he said that this is a mystery. It's been hidden from all ages and is now revealed to him and that it was to be made known through the church. And so we've looked at that and we've seen that this grace revelation involves saving grace. And we talked about justification where God declares the believing sinner to be righteous based upon what Jesus did and not what we have done or do. And we looked at sanctification, being set apart for him, and how that that's a process whereby now we become more and more like Christ as we live our life, and we set ourselves apart from sin, from the old life, and different things. And, and so that we looked at that in liberating grace. Last week we talked about the third part of the revelation, the fivefold revelation, and that's enabling grace. Enabling grace really has three parts to it. What we saw last week was the unity of the body, unity and oneness of the body, uh, how that God has placed us together. And in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about that we're one body. And if everybody was the, the, the nose, you know, where would the seeing be? And if everyone was the ear, you know, where would the, the, the hearing be? Because, you know, it's all mixed up. So not everybody is the same part of that body. We're all different members, but yet we're one together in one body. Talks about the diversity uh, of the body really brings about true unity. And that that's what we're to do. Each person's supposed to do their part. And so we looked at that and we talked about then the, the second thing of, of, uh, of this body ministry and, and the unity and oneness of the body is in this enabling grace is um, then really the, the functionality, the usefulness of the body. The first part of that is how God has, the Father has created each one of us uniquely. He's placed us together in the body for unity, but yet he's given each one of us a particular motivational gift. They were all stirred up, designed, particular. And we see things differently, and that's okay. Some people, uh, you know, are, are servers, and, and they, they, they are fulfilled as they are actually doing certain things. You know, they look at things differently, as we talked about. You know, they might pass by and see a piece of paper on the floor and pick it up, and they'd be there to help and, and get involved in serving. And then there's the mercy, who is one that brings all the strays home and, and uh, is there to, to comfort and, and just has that compassion. But yet sometimes they can be too, uh, they don't see um, some certain cautions that they need to have in their life. And so there's the prophetic motivation that sees things black and white. And they, they see certain sin or people that take advantage. And so that helps to bring some balance. There's the exhorter that comes to, to encourage and, and to motivate and there's the organizer who structures things. There's the giver who uh, sees a particular need and, and is able to give to those things and uh, to, to help in that particular area. There's the teacher, teacher motivation, who likes details and likes to research and do things. And so they see things from a different perspective. They'll check it all out. We saw how that, that fits into the body and that um, God uses that. 
And he uses each one of us in particular. And Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 really expresses that. If you'll take a look at that verse, Ephesians 4 16. It says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so this usefulness of the body of Christ, of grace, is, is how that God then uses each one of us to help build up the body, help encourage the body, help strengthen, help uh, encourage one another. And so there's unity and there's uniqueness in the sense that we are all members particular. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you'll turn there in verse 24, uh, Paul had gone through that, that chapter talking about how that there's unity and oneness there. In verse, uh, verse 4, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, he says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. So that brings about the uniqueness, and that's the verse that really explains that there are three categories of, of these spiritual gifts, motivational gifts. God the Father himself does that. Before the foundation of the world, he designed you. He gave you a particular uh, motivational gift, which is like your personality, the way that you see things, as I had just gone over and what we talked about last Sunday. And so that's his, his area. Now, the Lord Jesus... His particular category of gifts are ministry gifts. He's in charge of ministry and because it's his body. And uh, so it needs to be taken care of. And it says, for instance, it says there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So different kinds of serving. And uh, that involves what Jesus, um, he's over, he oversees that. And in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, also there is where it explains then what those ministry gifts are. And Jesus is the one that, that oversees them. And it says he's given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. So these fivefold, the fivefold ministry gifts are given to the body. The Lord Jesus Christ oversees that so that the body then is equipped to do the work that is necessary, the work of the ministry. Now what are these gifts? You know, there's, like I said, we have all have motivational gifts. And we have certain uh, serving gifts as well as, as we approach to help in, in the body of Christ. But then there's overseers that, that the Lord has specifically established and put in place. as what's called office gifts or to stand in a particular office. An apostle is simply one, the Bible says, one sent with a purpose. There was one person who was called an apostle and it's, all that's recorded about him in the Bible is, is that he went from one place to the other, took an offering. And he went over, but he had a purpose in taking that and it doesn't go into detail afterwards, but... To help establish things. And it, it comes, it's a pioneering ministry, an establishing ministry. When the Lord called us to Alvin, Texas to come and to establish his work here. In a sense that was an apostolic calling because uh, it had to come up from, from nothing and pioneer it and establish it. And also the same way in Africa, going there, went and began to do clinics and, and then churches popped up and then you got to have pastors. We helped equip pastors and place pastors in particular churches and it spread and now we have 24 churches there. So that's kind of what an apostolic uh, gift does is help organize, establish, organize and then structure it and helps to see on down the road where you're going and then help to put those things in order. God's doing a great work here. So an apostle is one that, that helps set things in order. 
And those, these ministry gifts, these five-fold ministry gifts, the way I kind of remember is like, like the hand, okay? The apostle is like the thumb. It, it kind of, uh, you know, it can touch each one of these ministries. Because a lot of times in the pioneering of a particular ministry, that gift has to flow into the others because maybe they're not available at that particular time. The prophet is the one, is like this, is pointing, thus saith the Lord. Uh, the prophetic gift we know is, is what God wants to speak into to us as, as uh, mankind. And, and so he's saying which direction to go. In the ministry gifts, the prophet helps to bring direction and saying this is the direction that we need to go. You know, get on course. We're getting off course here just a little bit. Here's what we need to do. And, and it helps to identify what God is saying to that body. And so the prophetic ministry, kind of the pointing. The evangelist is like the middle finger that's the longest of, of all the fingers in the hand. It's reaching out in evangelism, going out beyond the interior gifts and going out and reaching out and bringing in. And so evangelists, evangelizing, bringing in new souls. The pastor is like the, the ring finger. It's like married to the church. And uh, a lot of times when you see a large ministry there, where there is multiple staff and someone's on staff as a pastor, might not be the pulpit ministry, might not be preaching, but they'll probably oversee counseling, the counseling ministry and everything because the pastor shepherds the sheep, loves the flock, and nurtures the flock and, and is about caring for the flock and helps to organize, you know, what's necessary to care for the flock from hospital visitation and, and just taking care of the needs of the church. Uh, and then the little finger represents the fifth ministry gift, the teacher. And the teacher balances out the, the hand, helps to bring balance to the, to the body of Christ by, by the teaching ministry and helping to establish and, and bring about more clarity to the word of God. So all together it brings about the hand of God that functions. God loves plurality of ministry. He never really, you know, there's times when he has to raise someone up because it takes vision to go. And he'll call somebody and raise them up. Just as I said when the Lord called us to Alvin, Texas, he gave me a vision for this particular area. We came and we began to do that. But it takes more than just one person. It takes a body. It takes a ministry equipping Today, as we saw the men come forward, you know, I was excited. I saw our elders, you know, uh, Danny and, and Charlie and Bob uh, also help, taking some direction, some leadership, and coming through there and ministering and praying over our men and laying hands on them, prophesying to them, giving them instruction and direction. See, that's good. That's what needs to happen. You know, as the pastor of this church and overseeing it, I want that to happen. You know, I don't want it just to be, oh, well, wait a minute. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. The pastor has to do that. That's not a functioning body. That's not letting all the members get involved, right? All the members need to get involved because that brings about strength rather than just one particular focus or whatever. So a lot of times that will happen in a particular church where it's more of a dictatorship than an oversight. Uh, not an oversight, <laughs> an overseeing position and helping to equip the body. So these ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are given, it says there in Ephesians chapter 4, for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. So that the saints do the work of the ministry. A lot of times we've thought that that office gift is supposed to do the work of the ministry, and we just observe. No, he gave those ministry gifts to help equip the body so that the body does the work of the ministry. Everybody getting that? Usefulness, this, this is that enabling grace. Then the grace that he gives to you, he activates that. And whatever you're, he's calling you to do as a, 
as a functioning part of the body, he gives grace there. And when you yield to that, you probably think, oh, there's no way I could do that. I, just, I don't think I could do that. Well, then you need help, right? So you rely upon his grace. God-given desire and power to do his will. And when you step out into that by faith, that grace is activated, and then you become a functioning part of the body of Christ. Does that make, does that make sense? Amen. So ministry gifts. That's what those ministry gifts are, are for. Also in Corinthians, it talks about some more ministry gifts. It broadens it from just the five-fold ministry gifts, the five-fold office gifts. And it talks about ministry of helps. You know, and that's a tremendous category where we fall into to helping the church and serving the church. You know, we, our ushers and uh, really our teaching staff and a lot of things, the, uh, the ministries of the church fall under that category of ministry of helps. And so you're stepping in and you're actually doing the will of God when you are serving him. And God blesses that. He rewards that. That's how you become... Uh, Really, that's what keeps the circulation going as far as like in, in your spirit and uh, rather than being paralyzed or numbed or, or just kind of fatigued. It's where a lot of people say, well, I just, you know, I'm not being fed anymore. Well, because that was a one-sided thing. All you were doing was coming to just to get and never really giving and exercising that, what you were receiving, never putting it back, never being a supporting ligament. So you got bored. They got bored. They got fat. <laughs> you know, they never got any, uh, they never got that circulation to going, and they just kind of became fatigued in the body of Christ. And so then they're not satisfied, so they go looking for someplace else to satisfy me, like a little baby, feed me, like a little baby bird, mouth of Feed me, feed me, feed me, you know. If not, I'll go someplace else and let somebody else take care of me and stroke me and whatever. Well, you need, the body of Christ needs to be coddled some, but it also needs to be challenged. Amen? You know, that we get up and we do what he's called us to do. So, the uniqueness of the body is that there are different gifts. So, there's motivational gifts. There's ministry gifts. And then, the Holy Spirit, it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. He oversees a category of gifts known as the manifestation gifts. That, that's called the appearings, the charismata. Um, it's the appearings of Christ. It's actually the abilities of Christ being manifest in the church. It's what Jesus was able to do, and we see it recorded of what he did. Now those same things can be manifest in the body of Christ, the manifestation gifts. And so if you can look there in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter chapter 12 and beginning with verse 7 we'll take a look at the manifestation gifts sometimes they're called the gifts of the spirit and we'll see how they're listed and kind of talk about them just a little bit in verse 7 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians it says now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good everybody say common good it's not given for that person's good. It's given for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit wants to come and, and be revealed through you to help assist and build up the body, the body of Christ. Not that you can stand up and pat yourself on the back and say, look who I am. The Apostle Paul, he corrected the Corinthians because that was kind of what they were doing. They were saying, oh, look at me. I speak in tongues. 
And so, oh, look at me, I prophesy. And so they were kind of giving little name tags out and little uh, identifying these certain things. And, and uh, those people kind of walk around saying, I'm the resident uh, interpreter, you know, and various things. And that wasn't right. It says there now each, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge. I'm reading from the New International Version. King James says the, the gift of. Um, to another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts, plural, gifts of healing by that one spirit. Verse 10, it says, to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11 Listen to this. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. It's the work of the Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So he decides what is necessary at the time, and then he gives that gift. Now, what is the best gift? The best gift of these, these nine, the, the nine uh, whole manifestation gifts. What's the best gift? Because the next chapter, Paul says covet earnestly or seek earnestly the best gift well the best gift is what's needed at that time right that's the best gift I always look at it like this if I go to the emergency room I got a broken leg this person comes in and says oh hi, hi I'm a doctor so-and-so I'm an orthopedic surgeon man I do I do great with arms so let me have your arm I'm like uh, I don't have any problems with my arm I got a broken leg no but but I but I'm great with arms let me have this arm and I'm gonna show you and, uh, I, need a, I need my leg fixed. So he fixes up my arm and everything, which was nothing wrong with it to start with, and I still got a broken leg. Well, what good was that? I'm glad you got a gift of, with people with, with arm problems, but I don't have an arm problem. I got a leg problem. So it doesn't matter what that gift is if it's not the best gift. The best gift is what's needed at that time. So in the body, you know, of like Christian Center, there might be something that's necessary here on a particular time that's not necessary in some other church. Right? But, you know, what happens, you know, Wednesday night or next Sunday or whatever could be different than what happens, what's necessary today, what's, happen, what's necessary right now. And so the best gift is what's needed at that particular time. And so he's saying, and that's why the, who knows that but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows that. So he can then distribute that gift as he determines because he knows what's necessary. So let's take a look at this. And if you want to jot this down someplace, that these gifts really, the, these 12, these, uh, the nine gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation gifts, are really broken down into three categories of manifestation gifts. There's three revelation gifts, there's three power gifts, and there's three utterance gifts. In this category of revelation gifts, we find the word of knowledge, and then the, the word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. These are revelation gifts in the sense that something is revealed to an individual that could, could not be understood or, or uh, known in any other way other than the Holy Spirit revealing it to him. Now, what's the, what is uh, a word of knowledge, this, this gift of knowledge? Word of, I mean, a word of wisdom. Let's look at that first. Word of wisdom, it's a revelation gift, one of the revelation gifts. And wisdom is knowing how to apply knowledge. 
Okay, and so there's uh, something that, that's a telling and it's, it's an understanding to apply something, to do something um, that you would never have understood how to do or, or whatever. But yet it comes because the Holy Spirit gives that revelation through the gift of wisdom. Uh, the word of knowledge is a simple knowing beyond the natural ability to know. A lot of times when we are in Africa, we see a lot of these different manifestation gifts happen because, first of all, uh, if I'm there, I don't know anything about anybody. I don't know who anybody is. Now, here, if the Holy Spirit gave me a word of knowledge and I said, there's someone here in this room uh, by the name of Tim. If that's you, well, let's let me know. But there's someone here in the name of Tim, and, and you're going through, so you've been going through some challenges. Uh, you've had a family member that's, that's really been sick and ill, and it's been a strain for you. Now, everybody be sitting out here going, well, duh. Everybody knows that. That's not really any real big. Um, so, but maybe I was sleeping or something. And, but yet, see, that's, that's not understood that it's the Holy Spirit. But you go into a place where you don't know anybody, and they really don't know you, and then the Holy Spirit gives you a word of knowledge that there's somebody by the name of so-and-so that this is happening in their life, and God wants to do this right now. I mean, they're going, oh, my goodness. How did you know that? I don't know. Didn't know other than the Holy Spirit let me know. We were praying for a church full of people one it was actually Pentecost Sunday there in Africa, and they, they brought this lady up, and they were crying. And so they, through the interpreter, the interpreter said, she's lost two babies. She's had miscarriages with two babies. They really want to have some children, but there's just problems. And then what the problem is is she would like prayer that, uh, for healing. And so it's okay. So I told Sandy, I said, well, Sandy, you lay hands on, you know, on her stomach, and, and let's just pray and let's believe. And so we're praying, and we believe that God healed her. And so right at the end of that, Sandy says, you know what? God's showing me something. And I go, okay. <laughs> and Sandy says, you're going to get pregnant. And I'm going, all right. Now that's a knowing that you don't know unless the Holy Spirit tells you to know, right? I mean, there's a chance, but yet been having problems but we believed that she was healed but there was no doubt so he said the Lord just showed me you are going to get pregnant and you're going to have a baby but you're not going to have just one baby you're going to have twins oh boy well thank boy that puts it in a probability category that's really out of touch now isn't it what's the chances of that happening there are twins in your family <laughs> you know no there wasn't any of that research done it was just a a revelation a knowing a word of knowledge that knew something that couldn't be known any other way. So I'm, I, I'm in agreement. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm believing. So we come home after that trip, and about uh, four months later, get an email from Africa. Hey, sister so-and-so, the lady that was prayed for for healing, she's pregnant. Yay, praise the Lord. That's great. Well, that's part of it. <laughs> so about nine months later, you know, she had the baby but she didn't have just the baby she had twins everybody's excited everybody and and the testimony is going all around and the church is filling up because of the word of that, that the lord gave that day wow now see how god used that in the sense that he built up the the church because there was something there that was undeniable 
not known, couldn't be known any other way than the Holy Spirit making it known. And because of that, God did a great miracle there, but he also brought people in that got saved, got set free, got healed. Their lives were changed. Word of knowledge can do that. We were on the top of this mountain called Lita Market, and we'd gone up there to preach. And uh, so we're up there. I think I've told this story before. They fixed this little makeshift platform thing and preaching and and uh it was i wasn't paying attention to anything going on but what was happening was the clouds were building up and i was just uh, you know through an interpreter you preach and they they interpret so at that time i'm watching i'm watching the people and watching their eyes i'm i'm kind of that type of person that i don't like to just just read something that i want to see is it impacting is some are they getting something out of it and so i'm watching people but and then i'm looking down this side and that's the street that goes on down and people come out of their the shops and they're listening and we're in that little square area. But all of a sudden, then people start backing up underneath some covering. And I'm thinking, what's going on? And everybody's kind of moving away. I'm thinking, that's not working. And notice all the eyes are over on this side of the platform. So I look over there. Here's a bunch of guys with those a blue tarp. And they're shaking it out and getting it all ready. And so I said, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. What's going on? And they go, you know, of course, that kind of scared them because, I, you know, like, uh-oh, <laughs> we got caught. Well, it's going to rain. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. It can't rain. If it rains, I mean, we're out in the middle of a, you know, this little square of this little village up on this mountain. Then we won't be able to finish preaching. And God's not finished. He, I knew that what God wanted to do, and he wanted to he, uh, bring healing and touch people. And, and I said, no, it's not going to rain. It won't rain because God's not finished. I said, put that away. And they're kind of like looking. And you could, all of a sudden, I'm starting to feel these drops of rain. You know, it's like, oh, well, great. <laughs> now, if you don't think there's a struggle and a battle going on with your faith at that particular time. And so my natural mind is saying, hey, you might ought to listen to them. But my spirit is saying, you better listen to the spirit of God. He's given you a word of knowledge here. And so I said, okay, I'm going to just listen to the Holy Spirit. And man, I mean then, a prophetic word and a word of knowledge came out and said, it's not going to rain on this mountain today. It will rain. It will rain. And your vegetable carts, because I looked over here, what, remember standing there, there's these vegetable carts that are made out of this plywood, and it was so gray, and, and all the, the, the wood was all buckled up and everything because they are dry and they were old and there's nothing in them. I said, those vegetable carts will be full. And man, I mean, it's like, and you'll be blessed and all this stuff. And the Lord was just given this word. And, and I said, and people will come from miles around to this mountain because of whatever, you know, that the Lord is blessing and they'll receive from this mountain when it does rain and all this stuff. And people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got all excited, you know. And, and it was an exciting time. And it stopped raining or misting. And then a lady gave her testimony from the day before that we prayed for that was that one that had appeared to be dead. And now she was there and she shared her testimony. I mean, the Holy Spirit moved. And people were saved. They were healed. They were set free. Tremendous service. But what about that word of knowledge? We go home. And pretty soon we get a, we, we're checking out. Some of you might remember, uh, I'm trying to remember what year that would have been early 2000-something, but they had a horrible drought in, in Kenya. People were dying. There was some food in some areas in these containers, but it, it ended up getting contaminated. And there were some people actually in that area, in the Machacos area, that ate that. And, and got uh, some people died, and they got deathly sick because of just the contamination of the food that was in that container. There wasn't anything available, but something strange had been happening. 
it had been raining up on the mountain, the Lita Market, which is outside, just outside of Machacos. Now, you know, whenever this word was coming on, that, that place is about, it's over 7,000 feet high. It's a strange road. I mean, it's a hard road to get up there. My natural mind is saying, when I'm saying people will come from miles around to this place, you know, I'm thinking, no, they don't. <laughs> why would they come here? I mean, why come up this mountain when you got a big metropolitan city here and all this stuff? And I'm, my natural mind is saying, no, they don't. But I said, I'm not listening to my natural mind. I want to say what the Spirit of God's saying. Well, every place was dry. There was a drought everywhere except on that mountain. And it had been raining. In fact, it rained so much, they put in tomato uh, plants and stuff and they expanded they had huge tomato gardens and they produced so much so many tomatoes that and they were filling up those vegetable carts that people would come from miles around not only for the tomatoes but that was a main source but for the vegetables being grown on that on that in that area and they made so much money off of it they built a church there and, and lead the market and so that was fulfilled and and God blessed and it was a testimony that went around I mean and people heard about that because of what God did knowing that could not be known other than the Holy Spirit revealing it to you. The other revelation gift is the, the discerning of spirits. What's that for? Well, you know, the devil always likes to try to get in and disrupt things. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Many times when the Holy Spirit's moving, Satan comes in, you know, and he comes in to try to deceive. And, and it can even be like, it could be something that, look, that appears to be spiritual, but it's not. A religious spirit can give that impression, but yet it's not. And begins to do certain things where Satan can maneuver and deceive and work his way instead of the will of God. There's a need at that particular time for the Holy Spirit to give the discerning of spirits to know if that's right or if that's wrong. And then to say, no, that's not right. That's the wrong spirit. That's, that's not God. That's not God. Many times in our services, especially when Light Christian Center was in its infancy, a lot of people would come because they thought, hey, here's an easy place to go. They're new, young pastor, and uh, man, we can go, I can go and, and let God just use me. And it wasn't of God at all. And there was a need to know what was of God and what wasn't of God and how to go about doing it. We had to do that. Many times it was just simply by ignoring it and just going into praise and, and worshiping and overpowering and just letting that just go away. There was other times of uh, another time a, a woman when we'd been on TV. We used to host the TBN show and uh, we had been on television and it was a topic was ritual abuse survivors that had been in uh, these occultic situations and and um, anyway, they go through these rituals, and a lot of times children and stuff are used, and it's a lot of abuse and different things, and it's a horrible thing. And so we were interviewing a lady that was a ritual abuse survivor, and it just mentioned, if this is you, call in. Their phones were overwhelmed, and we gave our phone number for people to continue to call, and we had calls clip 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Not only did we have calls, but we had some attacks. We had... Uh, our car was parked out here by this back door. We got a firebomb was thrown and hit it. Uh, there was a pentagram was drawn out in the, on the, this back door. We got that off of there, and we prayed over it, walked around this place, set it apart. And they, it was further back in the parking lot. They drew one in the gravel back out there, and I thought, well, I had to laugh. I said, yeah, you can't even get to the door now. A lot of different things was going on. And so we were in a service one Sunday morning, and uh, at the end of the service, 
I noticed back over in this area, uh, several ladies, Jeremy McGee and some of the ladies had went over to this one woman that was there. Now, throughout the service, my attention was drawn to her, and I thought, something's not right. Something's just not right there. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to concentrate on what the Lord's doing, what he wants to do. But then I just would sense something's not right in that, uh, with her. I mean, you know, if you're looking out through a congregation, you're, you're noticing people, but a lot of times you don't just really zero in. But it was like, bing! You know how they'll take a picture, and it's kind of dark, and then they'll put that little circle around it with a highlight, you know, a white highlight on it, and it's like magnifying, you see that? That was what was happening. So when I saw these ladies praying for her, I was curious. Uh, so I thought, because something I had been sensing. So I went over and uh, was just kind of there and, and praying. And, and so what they began praying, we began to discern was that, that she wasn't a believer and that she was there, and something was, just something wasn't right. Well, here comes Miss Sandy. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. And we're going to, she's going to pray too. She's just happy, and we're praying, and all of a sudden, kind of thing, the prayer kind of comes down, and Sandy says, you're not here to worship the Lord today, are you? In fact, you're here to disrupt, aren't you? Your name is Sarah? And she got, how do you know? Well, the Lord told me, nobody knows that. That was my birth mother gave me that name. I don't use it. No one knows that that's my real name. And so he said, well, God does. And we're going to pray for you. And you're going to get saved and renounce all this stuff. <laughs> okay, so it was on. And we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. Miss Sandy and I were here till about... Four o'clock that afternoon praying. Went out to her car. She said, well, she got saved. And she said, well, I need to get rid of some stuff. Okay, you know, I'm thinking, you know, some baggage, you know, some emotional problem. <laughs> no, we're going out to the car. She opens the trunk. We get a sword out of there. <laughs> and I mean, several things, right, Charlie? I mean, daggers and then ritual stuff. And, and uh, took it to Charlie, had him cut it up with torches and burn the stuff and get rid of it and everything like that. You know, that lady ended up... She came to church for a while, but she ended up, she lived on Northwest Houston over there off of uh, I-10. She got into, what was that, uh, the Encourager Church is off there, out, out there. And she got involved in that church. They have a Bible school program. She got involved in Bible school. She came back a couple of years later, shared her testimony. My life has changed. Wow. That was because of discerning of spirits and a word of knowledge. Not, it's not drawing attention to yourself because a lot of people were gone. It was after service, and so people were walking away. The congregation didn't really get to see that, but that's what the Holy Spirit was doing. Revelation gifts, they're necessary. The Lord wants to do them to reveal something that can't be known or understood or realized without the Holy Spirit revealing it. The next category of gifts is, are the power gifts. In the power gifts, you see uh, there's uh, faith, gifts of healing, and working of miracles. Faith is a, you know, faith is believing and not doubting. But the gift of faith is different than the fruit of faith. Faith is a fruit. You know, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is faith or faithfulness is faith. And that's something that's developed. Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the Word. And so that's developed. And our life experiences as we go through trials and tribulations, as we come through that victorious, it builds up faith, right? And we're given a measure of faith, and then that's built up. But the gift of faith is completely different than the fruit of faith. It's something that you can't build up. You don't have any control of. The Holy Spirit just releases it to you. 
I wish, man, that's an awesome gift. I experienced it the, for sure a couple times, but this one time was, I remember when our third child was being born, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Sandy had been diagnosed with a, a complete placenta previa. And they told her to go home and go to bed and all this stuff. And she said, well, I can't go to bed. i got to teach children's church and, and all this. And well, January, on the morning of January 16th, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Sandy says, Paul, my water broke. And I go, okay, it's time to go to the hospital. It's about uh, 12 degrees in Tulsa, Oklahoma, snow and ice on the ground. And we were driving an old Plymouth station wagon that somebody gave us that was so hard to start. And so uh, I got up, turned the light on. And looked over, and the whole bed was soaked in blood. It wasn't the water that broke. It was a ruptured placenta. And they told us if that happened, that you got about six minutes to live because your, your body will pump about a pint of blood a second. Now, is that right? You work with prenatal. Is that, some, is that about right? So I'm thinking, six minutes. I need to pray. So I didn't, I just, I didn't go down and say, oh, dear Lord. I beseech you in behalf of my wife, Sandy, during this time. Ain't no time to do that. Sometimes you better be prayed up. I'm praying as I run for the phone. I call the doctor. I, can't, I don't even know where I got his number. I called the doctor on his phone, and that was really before. That was back in, that was in 81. So I don't even know if pagers were around in that day. Called him, told him what was up. Called the hospital. Said, told him who it was. We're getting, we're on our way. Okay, okay. Man, and got her and, and had called our, the, the people that are on staff with us, they were the youth pastors, Ed and Susan Kingsley, and said, told them what was the deal. Well, we'll go with you. So I said, y'all better hurry because we ain't got time. Got Sandy in the car, and I'm thinking, Lord, let this car start. I hit it, and it goes, boom, man, it started right up. I said, that's got to be God. And then we prayed for every green light, every light to hit green on our way, and it did. It's just like, and Ed, I remember him saying, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I've never hit all these green lights. And then we were praying. We were speaking in tongues. We were praying in the spirit. Every light turned green. Got to the hospital. We jumped out and said, go get a wheelchair while I'm getting her out of here. And the whole back of that car was soaked in blood. And so Ed goes and gets a, uh, a wheelchair. I'm getting Sandy out. And, and so he put it back there. You ready to set Miss Sandy down in the chair? And the chair's rolling down the hill. <laughs> Tulsa has hills. It's not like Texas. I'm, oh, my goodness. Get the chair. Get her in it. Running. I said, go run ahead and push the button for the elevator. We don't have time to wait for it. He goes in. And I'm running in, pushing the chair, you know. And she'd had a blanket on. The blanket gets tied around the wheel. And I'm pulling it loose. Running through there. And get right up to the elevator. And it opens. Here comes Ed down this hall. I'm like, what are you? Where'd he go? Get a sandwich or something? And he's running back down. The elevator door opens. Man pushed Sandy in. He's standing there going, I pushed the button on the other elevator. I didn't even know that this was an elevator here. And God just opened it up. We got up there. We beat the doctor to the hospital. Ran her in. Everybody was, man, they were nervous. I mean, you could see on their face that they were nervous. Got her in there. And so they were coming around and they said, kind of as the talk was, we might be able to save the mother but we doubt we can save the child. And I heard that, and I, I began to pray. And I went in this little room, and it must have been a, where they stored all the gowns and stuff in there, and I was praying. And I said, Lord, you know, I believe you can work a miracle here. And throughout that time, all of a sudden, I sensed a believing, a faith that was far beyond my faith, that I knew that Sandy was going to live, and the child was going to live, and there wasn't going to be any problems. So... When they 
had kind of come out. I, I came in, and this one nurse came, and, and they were saying, so I said, look, there's not a problem because she's going to live, and the baby will be fine and live too. Well, ended up without going in through the rest of it. That's exactly what happened. Sandy went home in like three days. Nurses were calling. We don't, that was so amazing. It was a miracle. We don't know what happened. It was just, and it was just it, the testimony kind of resounded through there. God got glory out of that. Faith. That was beyond my natural capacity to believe. It just happened. It was like all of a sudden there was this considering and evaluating the situation and all the probability of this and that to go into like, it's going to happen. If they would have come out and said, well, Mr. Golden, uh, your wife's uh, alive. She's in here, but we lost the baby. I would have said, will you leave the room, please? Just, just leave the room. And I, because I knew that even if one of them died, that God was going to raise them up. I just knew. I, you know in your knower, you know. Amen. So faith, the gift of faith. And that's, it's, when it's necessary to have, then the Holy Spirit will release it. There's gifts, plural, of healings, of healing. It's not just, you know, Jesus had the spit in the mud method. He had the dip in the pool method. He had various things of when somebody was sick that he said to go do this and whatever. And there's many different kinds of illnesses, so there's many different kinds of gifts, uh, plural, of healing. When somebody's sick, you know, now if... Um, you know, if Adrian's sick, and so I come over to, to pray for him, who has the gift of healing? Who gets the gift of healing? Is it me? Wait, he's sick. He needs the gift. I'm just the vessel, right? And allow it to flow through so that that gift or gifts of can go and, and minister to him. See, a lot of times we think we have a resident healer. Now, a lot of times that particular gift has been seen in the body of Christ in more kind of the category of an office gift. We see it resident in a particular ministry or minister uh, because of a certain need. And a lot of times it attracts, it attracts the unsaved because they're seeing that. And, and so many times people are get saved because they see that and because uh, it builds faith within them. And, it, uh, you know, they just come to the Lord. So a lot of times God will do that for a season. I went to Oral Roberts University and I remember Oral Roberts talking about how he laid hands on you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, and he said his biggest regret was is that you know a lot of times people went went on still with the still sick, you know. But he talked about that gift, and he said that he could see over the years where there was a season for it, and then there there wasn't so much as far as that mass moving of that particular gift in multitudes of people. And so, well, well that's pretty interesting. So it wasn't him; it was what the Holy Spirit did in that particular gift. For that particular occasion. But in the body of Christ, what we need is that the Holy Spirit looks out here and says, Who's going to be willing? You know, Rachel's sick. Somebody needs to step up and pray for her. They need to lay hands on her. And so sometimes they go through, and maybe you're, you're back there thinking, You know, I ought to go pray for Rachel. Like, no, that's, that, you know, I can't do it. Who am I? Who am I to do that? Well, it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit prompting you to do it. So you need to do that. Well, though, I mean, shouldn't we stop the service and come up and, and you know, and do, no. Why do that? Do you want to drink? Are you looking for attention? You know, are you looking for approval or praise? How about just being obedient? You know, if he says to go pray for somebody, go pray for him. That Holy Spirit is prompting. He wants us to be, he wants to enable us to do the work of the ministry. Miracles. Miracles are usually over natural things. You know, uh, uh, where healing is more directed towards the body, human body, a lot of times miracles occur like turning water into wine, uh, doing things on a natural basis on natural things, turning a storm, reversing a storm, and, and uh, you know, 
walking on water, over natural occurrences, natural uh, states, rather than so much the human body. Although there are miracles in the human body, when an organ is completely recreated that, you know, that needed to be recreated, or I've heard of teeth being filled, filled and, and all kinds of stuff, you know. So there are healing miracles as well as working of miracles over natural affairs. And we could talk about a lot of those, but it, it's, I think that you know, you're aware of that. Then there's the uh, utterance gifts, the category of the utterance gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Prophecy, uh, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 that he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks to God. He that prophesies speaks to man. So prophecy is God speaking through a vessel to the congregation to give instruction to discern his will or his way or what is right, what is not right. It's God wanting to speak to us to give direction, to, to give in instruction, correction to us. Tongues is us speaking to God through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And it says as the Spirit gives utterance, we speak to God in a prayer in a praise, in a thanksgiving unto God. And so those tongues are the Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 8, uh, I think it's 13 there, where, or 8, 26, uh, where it talks about the, that it's, a, it's a, a groaning that can't be uttered. The, the Spirit speaks through us, and God understands the, the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit understands the will of God, and so that's a speaking through. So tongues is for praise, prayer, and thanksgiving. The interesting thing about speaking in tongues is, is that sometimes it's a personal gift that we can receive through the Holy Spirit in our own individual prayer life or our praise or that we can, Paul says, sing in the Spirit. I will, you know, I will sing in the Spirit. I will pray, you know, pray in the Spirit. And so it's something that can help us individually in our prayer life, in our praise unto God that we can't accomplish in our natural being. But then there's something that takes place in the congregation where there might be a the gift of tongues and utterance of where then it's the spirit speaking to God in behalf of the whole entire congregation because we don't know how to pray that's what it says in Romans 8 26 or 20, yeah 8 26 uh, we don't know what Paul says the Lord uh, uh, helps us in our weakness the spirit helps us in our weakness he says I don't know how to pray so a lot of times we don't know that there's a need to pray collectively as a congregation. And so the Holy Spirit does, and so he will pray then in behalf of collectively of the congregation. Yet if that's going forth, those tongues are going forth, what, what happens uh, in prayer, what gives us strength is agreement. When any two agree is touching any one thing, he said, I'm in the midst. So what needs to happen is, is that if it's a prayer in behalf of the entire congregation, then we collectively need to put our agreement to that, right? But we don't know what's being prayed because praying in the Spirit. We don't know what it is unless it's interpreted, right? So the gift of interpretation is given so they can interpret what is being prayed or praised or, or you know, worshipped in the sense so that we can all add our agreement to it and pray the same way. Does that make sense? A lot of times it's a praise in the, in the sense that, you know, God is, all, is high. He's lifted up. His, you know, strength is... is uh, uh, is in abundance or whatever, you know, that glorifies God. Well, what would that be? Why would the Holy Spirit need to do that? Maybe because, you know, collectively there's a lot of people that are really overwhelmed and their faith is weakened and, and, and not so strong. And, and there's a need to get our focus upon God. Like when Jehoshaphat said, you know, God, we can't fight, face this great army unless 
you help us. We can't do this alone. But our trust is in you. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit needs, knows that we need this pep talk. And we need to get our focus back upon God who is almighty. And he's great. And he's high. And he's lifted up. And so that will come through the Spirit as a, a praise or a thanksgiving unto God. Where it like builds us up. And, That's right. God is in control. He's above all things. You know, what am I down here, you know, all moping around for? And it picks us up. So does it make sense? The Holy Spirit does that through tongues and interpretation of tongues. Prophecy is when God then speaks back to us and gives us instruction and direction. Well, we need to stop because we've got a picnic to go to. We can talk more then. But I want you to see that this, it all comes by his grace. It's his favor that he releases upon us. And you see, anybody can be used by this if you simply be a vessel. A lot of times certain people are, they exercise a manifestation gift more than they do anything else. It's because they, now they kind of have faith for that. They are sensitive to it. And when the Holy Spirit is prompting, you know, they're kind of, their radar is going off a little, they're a little more sensitive than somebody else. Thinking, well, you know, no, nah, that's not me. I pray for the sick. I don't prophesy. Excuse me? You don't do either one. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. If he's telling you to, to go lay hands on the sick, then go lay hands on the sick. If he's telling you to prophesy, prophesy. If he's telling you to speak in tongues, then speak in tongues. You, whatever's the best gift, that's the one that you yield to right then. So anybody can. He, the Holy Spirit divides severally as he wills. There's been such a misunderstanding of that through the body of Christ that for years and centuries, so many people have missed out from being used by the Holy Spirit because they think, that sister so-and-so is the one that has to do that. Or brother so-and-so is the one that's used in that particular gift. I'm just here. No, you're not just here. <laughs> you're part of the body. And so listen to the Holy Spirit.